Let's rock. Incomparable Dr. Akins with us today from the Leading Equity Center, Leading Equity Podcast. We're going to get into his introductions in a second, but as we usually do, let's uh, let's go around the room. And what do you guys what do you guys do for fall activities that you enjoy? Who wants to go first? And Dr. Akins, you got to jump in as well. Okay. Um, I'll just jump in. Like I, I like the decorating, like the porch and the house of fall and uh. My middle daughter, uh, my 12-year-old, she's into it, too. So that's one of my favorite fall activities. Nice. Dina, Sheldon, what do you got? I'll go. Um, three words. Apple, cider, donuts. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> nice. So right, good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go on the food theme. Anything pumpkin, pumpkin spice. It's straight pumpkin coffees, pumpkin pie. Anything with pumpkin in it, I, I think that might be the the number one uh, uh, contribution of white people to uh, <laughs> is anything pumpkin. You know, I'm going to claim that as a white person. I think that came from uh, the white culture, the pumpkin spice. <laughs> uh, so what do you got? I, I think because I live in Idaho, I, I got I got to stay on that same theme and like definitely the pumpkin stuff is coming out. So like I'm I'm hitting up the coffee flavored pumpkin, pumpkin spice, all that stuff is is happening here. So yeah, that's kind of the thing here. Definitely awesome. All right, Dr. Akins, we are um, super excited. We've been chatting this week on Boxer and uh, kind of getting to know each other. And I know you and Dina have gone way back. Um, in different conversations, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? What is the Leading Equity Center about your podcast? Like, what do you, what do you, what, what makes up uh, Sheldon here? You know, that's a good question because um, I, I wear many hats these days. So I'm, uh, I'm a SPED director. I work on a reservation out here in Idaho, representing that 0.8 percent of Black folks that live in this entire state. And uh, on top of that, I run the Leading Equity Podcast and the Leading Equity Center. Just started back in 2018, and I just didn't, you know, you know I, I just wanted to learn more about equity and wanted to share it with folks. And then eventually it just started to grow, and um, it's kind of where I'm at now. So all for training and webinars and um, just really provide as much information and tools and resources that I can provide to educators to help them ensure equity in their schools. So uh, definitely a pleasure to be a part of, you know, just helping build educators and those who are looking to, you know, just, just, you know, learn more about their skills and, and what they can do as far as helping all students and make sure that they are successful. Nice. I know you have a great podcast. I know Gerard Dean and I listened to the last uh, latest episode uh, today and um, really gained a lot from just listening to your podcast. I discovered it about a year ago. I don't know, Dina and Gerard, I don't know if you want to add anything to that or any other questions you have for Sheldon before we kind of dive in here. 
Um, I'm actually, I, I'm actually, I'd like to consider myself a former student of Sheldon's. <laughs> um, right. it's, yeah, it's, I, I took, um, a course through leading equity with Sheldon and, um, it, it was a Sheldon, I think about a year ago. Does that sound right? Yeah. To you? Yeah. I think um, it was October last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was fantastic. And that was like kind of what I needed at that point in my journey. And, one of the great things that came out of that course, um, not just for everything that I learned, but it it connected me with um, Michelle Newell, <laughs> and <laughs> you all know how yes. much I love her. So, so yeah, it's been it's been great, and she and I have continued to keep in touch, and um, you know we we bounce ideas off each other, and you know talk all things education and it's been fantastic. So that's, that's been an, another plus to the course that I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of like Dean. I want to say I've been a Sheldon is actually the first person that I've actually like start listening to about equity and start even thinking about it. And that's, that's, that's profound to me. I think, I think it was Sheldon. I think maybe like a year ago you had did a, podcast on um it was about re- reducing discipline referrals to spec ed students mm-hmm. and that and that that episode was profound it was and it was short and concise and it really because i know it was something that i've it seemed like every stop in my career or every building i've been at is something that has always been a struggle and it's like sheldon was the first person i listened to in a podcast i actually started trying to unpack it where it wasn't like surface level stuff Mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's one of those things like literally I started the podcast two years ago, not expecting folks to listen to it. I, you know, equity was not like two years before COVID and all that stuff. People weren't like talking about equity and, you know, that wasn't a thing. And it was just like, man, I didn't know if people were going to listen to it, but it just started. People started, <laughs> people were reaching out and they're like, yo, I got questions. And so I, developed the the course teaching through a culturally diverse lens and dina that's kind of how we connected and yeah it's just kind of grown from there and it's unfortunate that a lot of issues have to happen in order for people to really start to wake up and like want to talk about these these um issues that are happening in our schools and just happening in our communities you know i hate that it takes you know tragedies to happen in order for those things to happen but uh, i am glad that folks are really wanting to have more conversations yeah, that's awesome. Yes. And I would encourage anyone to sign up. I know I get the uh, the Leading Equity uh, email reminder when a new podcast comes out or some new content comes out. So it kind of mm-hmm. me on in the forefront of making sure that I'm staying in tune with what with what you're doing because you seem to be definitely um, a driving force in this work. So that's awesome. Thank you. So, hey, so you know, Gerard, you mentioned something about you know the surface level stuff. So that kind of takes us into our first question, right? So, Sheldon, I mean, we're going to definitely throw it to you being our guest, but how how do we avoid that idea of checking the boxes that um, mm. seems to happen with a lot of work, especially with equity work? Why that's important not to check the boxes? So, what do you think about how, how do you avoid checking boxes when it comes to equity work? Man, one of the things I say all the time because I'm like, I do webinars all the time, and I'm like. Don't be like check in my like this is not a checklist. Like I will give you some 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 strategies. I will give you some things to think about. But folks, man, folks will reach out to me all the time and they just want me to just tell them what do I do? Step one, step two, step three. I'm like, this is not the kind of work that I do. I don't I'm not gonna sit here and tell you this is how you just solve all your your challenges. It's 
it's a lot of self-awareness that's in, that, that's involved in this. And if you think that I can give you a 10 point or a, a five point or whatever it is and just tell you, okay, you're good to go because you checked off every little part, that's not going to help you. It's, it's deeper than that. It's it's like self-awareness. It's like, okay, how do I educate myself? And my, my goal is to get folks started. That's what I do. So when I come in, I do work with folks. I, if I do work with a school or an organization, a district or whatever, I, I'm, I'm here to get you started. Now, yes, I would love to come back next next year and we can kind of continue on the work. But it's we're all on different levels on our journey. And if we really feel like we want to do this equity work, we can't just sit there and think, OK, what do I do? Give me just give me all the answers and I'm going to go from there. It, it just doesn't work that way. And sadly, folks believe that that's the thing. I mean, you know, sometimes we've been taught when it comes to how to create lesson plans. You know, when we get those fundamentals, knowledge and theories and methods when it comes to creating lesson plans and, and teaching pedagogy, all that stuff. You know, it is very checkboxy. It is very, okay, this is what you do, you know, the anticipatory set. Then you go with a, an opener or then you go with this and then you have your assessment and all these things. So we're used to that mindset. So then when we start talking about equity and we're like, oh, okay, so, okay, thinking about what a lesson plan looks like, okay, what do I do? Yeah. But it's more than that. You know, we, we have to educate ourselves. And that's that's something that I do. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it with a passion where folks want me to give them step one, step two. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, it's way more than that. Has anyone ever said to you, I just need one actionable step that I can apply <laughs> next week in my classroom? Man, all the time. All the time. This isn't a good talk. <laughs> my, my friend, my friend uh, Cornelius, Cornelius Mina, he always, you know, he says, you know, the microwave equity, you know, you want folks to, you know, you, you just want to warm it up real quick and, and put it in for a minute, and then all of a sudden you're good, right? It, it don't work that way. It's 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 got to be like it takes time. It's not an overnight thing. People want to know what's the magic bullet to to get. Uh, how do I develop a relationship with folks? And I'm just like, man, it's it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but people right. want instant results, and the instant results don't happen. You got to put in work. It's more yeah. like a Thanksgiving dinner. You got to defrost that that turkey first. Exactly. No, the, and it, I hate to say it. Some of them want. Some people want instant results because they don't want to deal with a year long a year long process of meeting every week and f- being in a room talking about a person of color that's different from them for 30 minutes and them feel uncomfortable where, where they can't manipulate or control the narrative during them time frames. Right. Right. Well, because it's uncomfortable for white people. And I mean, we always get back to that, that saying, you know, one of my favorite things, the white people be whitening, you know, <laughs> in there. I mean, because we do, we, we try to, we try to put this lens in there. Like, you know, I mean, it comes back to like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not a racist. Why do I have to go through all of this work? Like, I swear, you know, like what, what Trump said the other night, like I'm the least racist one in the room. Like that's not <laughs> okay. you know, like that, the least racist is not something you, 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 you promote, but Dina, what do you got? You got anything on that? It's some, well, two things popped into my head. Um, Sheldon, as you were talking, one is um, Cornelius Minor said one of my favorite things I've ever heard, which is diversity is for wimps. Mm. <laughs> um, 
I've never heard that. Yeah, he um, he was uh, Delaware had brought him in last year for the uh, fall literacy conference. Um, you know, back in the days when we could still have conferences um, in person, <laughs> and uh, he he said diversity is for wimps. You know, because it it's very cosmetic, and mm-hmm. so if you're looking to do true equity work, you can't just talk diversity. Um, and I've, I just have a, a deep, deep love for Cordelius Minor and, and all things um, that he he does. So um, I thought of that. And then the other thing I thought about was um, Sheldon, I have a good friend who is a special education consultant. And one of the things that she has talked about is that, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. You know, we want to bring you in for one session or we want to bring you in mm-hmm. for one day, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you are looking to improve what happens in your building, you know, you have to really look at the fact that, you know, the, the system is set up to do what it's always done. So mm. I don't know if you can even say that it's broken. It's just it's just doing exactly what it's set up to do. Um, so in order to make improvements, it has to be a steady stream of, you know, consistent and pervasive professional development and professional learning. That has got to take time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it takes time. And, and that's so last year. Last school year, I was okay with doing like one and done it. I'll come in for a half day. I'll come in for a full day. And I realized over time, I was getting folks pumped up. They were getting excited. But I was hitting them hard with a bunch of stuff. And then I realized, okay, what happens the next day? Or what happens the day after that? Or a week from now? A month from now? And that's literally all they've gotten. And they've moved on to other things. They've got the next shiny, the next shiny uh, topic has come up in their face. And I realized I don't do this. I, 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 if I really want to impact a school, if I really want to impact the district, then I need to come in multiple times. So now when I work with groups, it's like I need to come at least six times. We need to engage at least six times because if you really want this to make an impact, it's going to re- require multiple touches. It's not just going to work on one time. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so, powerful. That is powerful. And then I don't know who put this question in there, but someone said Care Bear Equity Work. I know what a Care Bear is. <laughs> that, was, um, um, that was something that Sheldon said, which I thought was was probably one of the, the best ways that I've, I've heard that, you know, equity work referred to. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to do Care Bear Equity Work, which I thought was probably my favorite <laughs> thing I've heard today. <laughs> Yo. So what do you mean by care about equity work? Like you know, you're like, in the corner, like you're gonna make you uncomfortable? What's going on here? When, when you get when you get me and Victor Small together, it, it <laughs> just, I can only imagine. We're just talking about hey, listen. Him and I were just talking on a sh- I, I record a podcast with him. I was like, because he reached out, he's like, yo, let me get on your show. I was like, all right, let's do this. And so we just him and I, we don't never, like, we never plan nothing. We just, like, let's just hit record and let's just go. And so I don't know what we were talking about. But it was basically when I have folks that will reach out to me and I do, like, a little consultation, consultation, like a 30-minute, you know, let's, you know, tell me what your needs are. Let's let's put a plan together. And sometimes people will reach out and be like, you know, um, you know, I'm a little concerned about, you know, what you might say. And, you know, I have a lot of white teachers and I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm not your guy. Like, I'm not here for you. 
if you're concerned about like their feelings and the fragility and all that stuff, I don't do care for your work. Like that's not my thing. <laughs> you got the wrong dude. So him and I were just talking about it, and Dina, you're not the only person that brought that up. And it, and it's funny because it was just literally how I feel. It's like I'm not gonna come at you to do equity work on some, I'm concerned about your feelings and I'm going to just try to, you know, dial back what I got to say. No, if we're really, if you're really investing in this work, if you're saying, you know what, I recognize that there's some challenges within my school or my district and I want to get them fixed. I'm not going to skate around your feelings. Like let's dig in. Let's, let's jump in. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, I will create a space that's going to be a brave space and we can have those conversations but at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and <laughs> care bear, care bear our, our experience so that, you know, you can, you know, feel good and, you know, <laughs> not, not be concerned about, you know, how your how your staff feels or how you feel as a superintendent. Yeah. So so I'm going to jump down a little bit because I think that brings up another good question. Like, So think about what is the most uncomfortable situation or question that maybe you've been involved in. Um, I'm thinking about, cause you know, at, at my school, I've been trying to lead this work. I'm the principal of an elementary school and I've been trying to lead this work with my staff. Um, and the district is now on board and we have a district initiative, you know, kind of like what Gerard was talking about before the show. And, you know, our next day of training is November 2nd and I'm excited that I get to do a full day. I'm doing four different sessions and I'm working with my, my team in the district and we're, we're going to be doing this. And, and we've definitely moved beyond the care bear work and we're having these uncomfortable conversations. And, um, I, you know, to me, the most uncomfortable part of one of those conversations most recently was I was in, it was in a zoom room and, and I was in a group, a small group. We had broken off and there was a group of seven and one of the ladies, it was, it was a white lady in, in the group with me. And it was from not my school, it was a different school. And I was helping facilitate and I was just facilitating the small group. And, and she said, well, you know, sometimes it's really good to sit back and listen. And I said, you know, there are times when we listen. There's times, you know, if, if a person is sharing their experience about something that I haven't experienced because I'm a white person, you know, I'll sit back and I'll listen and I'll take that in and I'll try to absorb it and try to be empathetic and try to see it from their, from their perspective or, or from their shoes. But I said, right now in this group, you need to say something because if you don't say anything, then we don't know where you're coming from. So if you make a mistake, because this is a safe space of the six of us and I'm here to help you, if you say something that is off color or or whatever, then then I can say, hey, we don't we don't say it that way. Let's try it a different way. Like let's work on your vocabulary so that you can then change your mindset about what's going on. And that was really uncomfortable because I, I didn't know this woman at all. She's like I said from a different school. I mean, she's not in, a, in an elementary level. But how about you guys? Is there anything that you can think of that was really like sort of recent or not recent that was uncomfortable or something that was asked of you that you're like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? That would not be Care Bear work. <laughs> Oh, I. I oh, my, mine's is obvious by being the only black male admin in a lot of circles that I'm a part of. Um, when and especially in the work environment, when something something goes awry with a with a black parent, and I'm the only black per, black person out of maybe ten to fifteen educators in a room, it's that look like. Um, I'm looking at them. They're looking at me. I'm looking at them like, I already know where it's coming. Y'all, y'all want me to try to fix this because y'all scared. <laughs> Interesting. 
Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of microaggression. I mean, I live in Idaho, man, so I, I, get, a, I, I get a lot of uh, microaggression. I mean, that to me, that's a whole nother podcast right there. It's just like, yep. what, is, what, is, what, what is the worst thing you've heard? I mean, and I do this work so much, man, and stuff don't even hardly bother me any, anymore these days. I think the biggest one I had one time was uh, I was out of school. This is this was you know this, I wasn't even doing this job, but I was just just out of school supervising one of my staff members um, as they were trying to work with a, um, a group, and uh, I heard a, a teacher say, "Doesn't he look like Ben Carson?" And I, I had my glasses on that day, and I had a little fro, and so they were like, "Don't he look like Ben Carson?" I was like, "Yo, we don't all look alike." <laughs> <laughs> and what, what <laughs> You should have saw her face. You should have saw her face because, like, the student was clearly uncomfortable when she was saying this. She just kept saying it. I'm just watching her, like, okay, you know, my staff works at this school. I'm trying to be cool, but like, she keeps pressing it, so I probably need to say something at this point. So she's looking at me like, ha 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 ha, like an awkward laugh. I'm like, yo, we don't all look alike. I said it again. I said about three times because she, she was like, ah, I'm just playing. I'm like, no, we don't look alike. And like she stopped talking. But I'm just like, that's a challenge that I have sometimes. It's like I get compared to Kevin Hart. I get uh, who else do I get? I get like a football player, like all these little microaggressions that hit me. And again, I you get to a place where you, you like that stuff don't like bother you anymore because you just, you know, you come to expect it. But every now and then. Someone will say something that will just catch you off guard and depend on how what kind of day you're having, you know, depending on what time of day it is. Like, let's say I got four or five microaggressions for that day and this is like number five. And you just like at a place, <laughs> you just at a place like, man, man, forget this. And you just like start speaking your mind. Just like, yo, I don't need to be like worried about feelings right now. Like, I'm tired of hearing this today. Like, stop. And so, like, to me, that's. That's one of the main things is just, you know, those little, those little comparisons. Like, I, I think I, I think, honestly, it was an older white woman that I was like, yo, you know, you look just like Barbara Bush. And I, <laughs> I, I, had, to catch, I had to catch myself because I was like, yo, my, my staff works here. I need, I need to chill out. But it, it just got to the play because she kept pressing it. I was just like, man, you look like Barbara Bush. And then she kind of like caught on and then she kind of like chilled out. But it was just like, man, it's just. We don't all look alike, but that, that was the bottom line. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. All right. So what about – so one of the things that we were talking about this week when we were chatting it up was this idea that, um, you know, and it kind of goes along with what we were talking about. So so we, we do equity work. And you said, you know, your minimum is six experiences or, or, or six sessions or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Right. So after that, at that point, you know, what then, and I brought up the fact that I think a lot of this work stops or halts when the white people in the room, they can go back to their spaces and not have to worry about the experience of being a person of color, right? Because I can always come back into my white spaces and I can forget about any equity work that I've ever done and, and I can go on with the rest of my life because, you know, we live in sort of, not sort of, we live in a white supremacist culture. And mm-hmm. because of that, um, I can feel safe no matter where I go. So how do we continue to push 
and I'm going to just say the white people in the area to continue to, to feel and, and think that this work is important. Like what are, and I know that's a million dollar question. If we had the answer to that, we would all be billionaires <laughs> and we could write millions of books. But, but do you have any thoughts on that, Sheldon? Like what can, what can we do as white people to, to keep the motivation moving forward that this work is important? You know, I, for me, it's, it's more on, on self-awareness because a lot of the folks that I work with, they just have lived in a world, a bubble, if you will, social society, a social circle to, to which things just didn't impact them. Things like there's things they just never had to think about or concerns they never had to have. For example, uh, you know, when we talk about police brutality, living in a world where you're not like you're not shaking in your boots, if you will, if you get pulled over by the police or just having experiences where you can turn on a radio station and literally listen to whatever you want to listen to. While me living in Idaho, I got to listen to like top 40. I don't get a hip hop and R and B station. Like those little things that we have that we don't necessarily think about barbershops. Are you kidding me? Like barbershops, where do I go to get my hair cut? Like all these little things that you don't necessarily have to worry about or think about because that's the world that you live in. So for me, when I do a lot of the training, it's more on providing. I start with self-awareness. Like, let's think about where you come from. What has been your influence? Where, where, where has your mindset come from? And then how can we look at things from our students' lens? When we start thinking about it that way, then it starts to open up these conversations. So I'm not here to try to tell folks, you know, you're wrong or, you know, this is wrong. It's more of think about what you haven't had to think about. Worry about what you haven't had to worry about. And not from a sympathy, I feel sorry for a group of people, but more right. from a empathetic mindset. That's where we start. And so when we go through, like, let's say a minimum of six steps or six touches, if you will, of webinars or sessions, whatever it is, consulting, um, by the end of that time, hopefully you'll take that knowledge or take that that awareness that you have gained and you'll, you'll be willing to, to learn more and educate yourself. Again, I'm not going to solve all your problems in a year. I'm not going to solve all the challenges. I'm not going to solve everything in, within a year. However, it's, it's good to at least get started have some tools to get to get you on the right path. And then from there, you can kind of take those steps and further educate yourself. You can start to interact with different circles. You can start to really engage more, but it's, it's on you. It's on us. It's not, it's not my job to change lives. It's, it's my job to get you going, get you started. And, and from there, you, you have to be willing to, to go the next steps. Yeah. Mm, Sheldon, Sheldon, you brought it might sound minor, but you brought up a great point about even the smallest things like finding a barber shop. Like if like if if you were to hire me and Doug as principals in your district and we were to move from Delaware to where you are, mm -hmm. two two different worlds of trying to find what's gonna work for me and what's gonna work for Doug and his family. What's work, like trying to find a barber shop, like Stuff like that is is critical for a black man. Hey, hey, Gerard, you might you might experience some trauma trying to come over here and, and find a barbershop. So it's exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> Doug, I mean, supercuts are here. You, you got all those sports. Yeah, clips. I and they all here. And they all here. Great clips. They all here. But for like somebody like me and Gerard, 
you know, a, a, a man, a black man's hairline is sacred, man. So yes. like, you, <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't mess that up. So you got to find a place that's going to like be like, like, a, like when if I sit in your chair and you're shaking when your clip, like when you about to turn your clippers on and I can see your hand is shaking and I'm like, you know what? I don't think, I don't think this is for me. I got to get out your chair because this is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk my hairline for your for your. You know, because you want to get the experience. You want to practice. No, I'm a grown man. I'm not. I'm not gonna let you practice. I'm not gonna be your guinea pig. Yo. So, <laughs> little things that you got to think about. So you you must have a barbershop somewhere, right? Or we drive. <laughs> So I'm fortunate because my brother lives here, and so my brother cuts here. He has his own shop. So, but I'm lucky because of that. So Gerard, you'd be cool. <laughs> but it's not always the case for a lot of us out here. So you know, that's one of them things. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I live in an area, um, and actually, there's a barbershop not too far from here. But I don't live that too far away from an HBCU. But I live in sort of a more suburban, rural area, and mm-hmm. and. I- that that kind of thing has since you know since talking with Gerard, talking with other people, you know that kind of that thought has come in my mind. Like, where do they go to get where? Because it is. <laughs> I mean, that's a real. Thing. Yeah, we, once once a black man find a barber that won, yeah, he can he can get in without staying in there half the day, and yeah. then and then two that don't take his hairline back. We don't change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very it's, it's the hairline is very important. So we don't play around with that. <laughs> like we, like it's like my wife had brought it up last week after me and my son got a haircut. She's like, man, she's like, honey, I just, re- cause PJ seven now. She's like, I just realized like we finally found your barber when PJ was like three and like y'all ain't left since. I'm like, nah, I'm like one, he don't mess us up. And then two, he's the only barber where every other week I know I can have a 7 a.m. Saturday morning appointment and we're out of there by eight and I got the rest of my day and I don't got to like play around. So like we don't mess that up ever. <laughs> How about you, Dina? Anything you want to add to that uh, conversation? It's as you, as you two were talking, it just reminded me. My my uncle used to always say, "The difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut's about two weeks," and mm-hmm. it just it does not work. That saying does not work for black men. No, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work for me either because I'm I'm balding, so my hair is just falling out. <laughs> I, got no hair, I got no hair. Period. In the I remember I was watching, uh, it was like the first season, I think, of the Dear White People on Netflix. Yeah. And and one of the dudes was like, yeah, he got to go get his haircut or get a lineup. And the, his girlfriend was like, but you just got one like a few days ago. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got to go again. It's a black thing. So she like <laughs> totally, totally had no clue. Like we try to get our lineups like every week if we can, yep. because our hair grows, grows back so quick. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, whoever's whoever is in there that day, whatever lady's in their day cutting the hair, I just sit down in her chair. It doesn't matter. It can be a different person every week. I'm just like, whatever, let's go for it. <laughs> all right. You, know, you want to talk about your hair, your haircuts and all? Do you want to <laughs> I go every five weeks. <laughs> I go every five weeks. I get the haircut. I get the hair colored. It's, you know, it's every five weeks. It's a standing appointment. Yeah. You know, go ahead. 
Go ahead, Gerard. You're going to say something? Oh, no. Um, I was just, uh, I'm sorry. I was talking to myself as I was, I was looking at one of them questions that you had put down. And, and then my mind went right back to Care Bear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we can probably wrap it up with this last question. But, you know, what to you... Let's say you go through those six steps. Let's say you become self-aware. And I'm with you. I think that's self-awareness. Um, mm-hmm. Figuring out what what is who are you as a person. I know one of the most powerful questions that I asked my staff um, about a year – actually, I think it was two years ago now. You know, I, I, I matched up my white staff with white staff, and I matched up my, my non-white staff with my non-white staff, and I asked them to, to talk about their race with their partner. And um, it was a difficult conversation for white people to talk to other white people about their race because we don't have those conversations, right? So that was my attempt at taking that first step towards becoming more self-aware. Like, you know, that conversation went right to like, what, were your, what was your summer like? How are your kids doing? You got a new puppy? You know what I mean? It, it wasn't a conversation about race because we don't have those conversations about race in, in the white community. So after you become, after you kind of get people to become self-aware or start to think about who they are and how they fit into the world, you know, what are those next steps do you think for, for equity work? You know, for me, it's, so I'm, uh, if, I mean, if, if folks listen to my show, I'd say advocates all the time. Like I'm all about advocacy because if we're working on ourselves, that's one thing. And that's, that's a personal thing. That's a personal journey that we're taking. But if we don't say anything to our, our, our peers, our colleagues, if we don't speak up, if we don't do the work, because one thing to be self-aware, oh, okay, yeah, I know about this. I know about cultural responsiveness and I'm going to do this in my classroom. But if we don't take the time to really like make that message spread and, and be able to support others, that's where that's where the challenges are because yeah the kids come to our classroom and they spend a day or they spend a class hour with us and, and you know we're doing this life you know we're about that work but at the same time they got to go to another teacher later on or they got to you know maybe they get sent to the principal's office or maybe they get sent somewhere else and if we're not spreading the message we're not taking the time to really help others really learn about their journey and where they need to go and how they can better themselves then that's a problem so my my thing is, OK, so you now have the tools to get started. You have the tools to you know you're more self-aware. You have some knowledge. However, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to keep that to yourself or are you going to spread the message? Because at the end of the day, who who's the one that gets impacted the most? It's the students, right? It's the students that are going to be the ones that are impacted. So if they're, if they're in a situation where they're getting multiple touches, where they're getting four or five teachers in a daytime and you're the only one, only one that's actively doing this work, that's actively trying to be um, uh, equitable when your approaches, that doesn't help anything. That's a you know, quarter of the day. That might be a, a percentage of the day where they get these type of experiences. How do we make sure that we can spread that message across the whole entire school so that it's a thing as opposed to just, oh, it's just when you come to uh, Mr. Jones class. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dina, what do you think? Or Gerard, anything you want to throw out on that? It's, um, you know, it's it's interesting. And I, I didn't think about it from this perspective until I'd say probably about maybe a year ago. So, you know, the, the state of Delaware, which I'm imagining, Sheldon, is there's, there's something very similar to where you are, where, you know, you have all these trainings you have to do. Um, speaking of which, I just realized that I've got a week to complete all of my trainings. Um, <laughs> so we have all these... 
we have all these mandatory trainings that we have to do. And so one of the things that kind of, I guess, occurred to me and in, in all of this was, you know, we do the mandatory bullying training. And I started thinking about like the, and I'm trying to think of how long ago this was, maybe about a year ago. Um, as teachers, I don't think we ever look at ourselves as being bullies in our classroom. I don't think we ever, we ever have that perception of, of how we, how we do our jobs in our classroom, but we are the ones that have the most power. You know, we are the ones that, that have the most power in the classroom and, um, can influence relationships with our students can influence a lot of things. And if I am using that power to control situations in my classroom, then I'm not doing my job and I am a bully. And it's, you know, however I need to be more human and humane towards my students, that's the route that I need to take. And so that's, you know, that, that always is kind of like the first step. But then I had a question, I had a, a, somebody say to me, well, you know, you do a grade classroom and you do all these things, but what happens when they leave you? And I said, I'm always open to explaining to people and to, to my department what I do. And I am always willing to train other people. The difficult part for me is the when people want to complain about it, but they're not open to the changing, you know, and it's like, and I've had this conversation with, with one of my administrators frequently where they'll say, you know, um, well, the, the staff is complaining about this or the teachers are complaining about this. And I said, that's funny. I don't have those issues in my classroom. I don't have them because I treat the kids like they're human beings. Um, and I pay attention to what needs to be paid attention to. And so that just always, that's, that's always a, a difficult thing for me because I, I want to have those conversations and I want to affect that change in my building. But as somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of control over what happens, I feel I almost have to go outside of my building to affect change. Hmm. Well, but I think, so. I mean, we've had enough conversations. I think you really give your students a voice. Like you allow them to become advocates for themselves. And I think that's probably one of the most powerful things that you can do as a teacher is to allow them to become like little branches off of your tree, right? Where, you know, by allowing them to have that voice, they can then advocate for themselves in another classroom. Hopefully, you know, they don't say, you know, well, in, you know, in, in so-and-so's class, we're allowed to do this, but, um, I mean, I, from the conversations that we've had, I think that's the power that, that I've seen in you is that you really, um, because if kids have a voice, then they feel like they've been heard, but they also um, can, can grow and feel comfortable about themselves and they don't have to wait until they're 42 years old to do self-awareness, you know, work um, to become a person. You know, they can get that, get that start when they're, you know, in middle school or now you're in high school. Um, you know, and to me, that's, that's my next step in my evolution, not only to continue to work with my staff, but then, you know, once we kind of get into a more normalized environment with kids again, and we started last uh, winter, is even in elementary school, you know, when first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, like, what can those kids, can they start to talk to each other about their differences? Like, that was the start that we were going to try to, that we were going down the path. And and they feel comfortable in talking to each other about their differences. Um, because I don't want my students to, to say, I don't see color. You know, I don't see you as, as a black or a brown person. I don't see you as a white person. You know, 
I want them to see each other as, as their differences and, and celebrate those and, and embrace it, you know, um, and be comfortable in talking about that. But I think, Dina, that's, you know, like I said, the conversations that we've had, I think you do a great job of that um, in your classroom. And that's probably why you don't have those problems, because kids feel like they can talk to you and they have a voice. And, they, you know, when they go to your classroom, they're heard. And I think that's super powerful. I tr- I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying and I, I certainly don't I certainly don't get it, it right all of the time but I think that there's a lot of power you know a, a, a lot of I, I don't even want to use the power I I think that there is a lot to be gained from being able to say that I am not going to get everything 100% right all of the time mm-hmm. and the best that I could do is just do be a little bit better because then it's like if you if you try to get it 100% right all the time, you devolve to checkboxing, I feel. Yep. Gerard, you got anything in the show? Then I'm going to just kind of wrap it up with what is a piece of advice that you can give to anyone that's listening out there. But Gerard, you got anything else you want to add? No, y'all three had some good takes. I don't even want to touch it because I'm letting it marinate. (laughs) 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 Just tell them. You know, our, our millions of listeners out there in, in the, in the <laughs> world. Um, millions. Yeah, you have no idea. Um, but <laughs> for all of those people that are out there listening, um, and, and there are there are quite a few actually. We, we've gotten some pretty good feedback. Um, what what would be something that you'd want people to leave this podcast with, um, other than contacting you to do some some work with the Leading Equity Center? Besides that, um, and finding you on Twitter, and I'll put like your. Uh, your Twitter um, tag or whatever you call it and show handle. Thank you. In the show notes, but what is something that you'd want to leave everybody with any final thoughts? I mean, final thoughts would be first, first of all, the work don't happen overnight. You know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process. It's something like, if you really want to be about this equity life, it, it's, it's, you know, shoot, I'm still learning. You know, I'm I'm on the journey myself. You know, folks will look at me and feel like, oh, he he knows a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe I do. However, I'm still learning. I'm still reading. I'm still educating myself. I'm still experiencing things, and I still uh, mix myself in company with folks who uh, have, are doing this work as well. So when you start to align yourself with like-minded people, and you start to learn more, and not rely on people to educate you, but you educate mm-hmm. yourself find those books and you you find those articles and you you learn live from uh, uh experience as well that's the way to get started but there is no end goal so even a checkbox situation there is no end to it it's exactly just, there's, there's always room for growth and if we really operate on that mindset even it, whether you're doing this equity work like you're actually out there consulting and you, or you just like just woke up and you know oh man what is this thing again? It's called equity. What is that? Like, don't matter where you are, but it's something that you, it's, it's an ongoing process. It's not something that happens overnight. Yeah. All right. I got one final question for you. Are you, are you a professional sports fan or sports fan at all, Sheldon? I mean, I, I, I would say I watch a little bit of NBA every now and then. All right. So if you're from Idaho, what NBA team do you root for? Because I don't, I can't even figure it out. You're out there. In the- <laughs> so, so I, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. So I'm an all Houston, all Houston fan. So you know, Rockets, Astros, all that stuff. That's my yeah. teams. All right, that works. That works. The dream. All right. The dream. Yes. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> all right, 
It was great, Sheldon. Dean and Gerard, you got anything before we end this? Nah, this was this was good. I, I learned a lot. Thank you so much, Sheldon, for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. I appreciate you having me on. Been following you for a while. That's great. Cool. Uh, this is speaking educationally with uh, Doug, Dean, and Gerard. Where I'm coming from. Fifteen years into education now. You know what can I do to create this equitable space? Like you know what? Especially for the students. Um, Speaking educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard.